Thank you to the halls for leading us in worship today. If I had to turn to the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 28. Would you pray with me? Oh, Heavenly Father, we come to you again and pray for our time in your word. Lord, I thank you for these passages we've looked at over the last few weeks because they point us to you and to what it is to follow you and live for you. And Lord, so I pray again as we study a well-known and famous passage in your scripture that would speak to our hearts and that we would continue to be transformed, Lord, as your people and followers and that from that, we can transform our community and surrounding communities and impact the world. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read uh, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're continuing in our series, Pillars of the Christian Life. I want to begin by making a point that I made last week, but I think it's relevant again this morning. As I talk about the importance of spending time in the Bible, of developing a strong prayer life, of practicing fellowship with others within the church, of serving within the church, I realize that's a lot. And today we talk about sharing our faith, making disciples. That's more stuff. I once again want to stress that my goal with this series is to point to an entire life that revolves around Jesus. It's not a call to drudgery. The point is that it's a call to true life. A life where you're walking with the Lord of creation. Where you're living on earth as it is in heaven. Where you're living for him and his glory. Because that's the best way to live. And so, as we have talked about these pillars... My point isn't so much about finding more time for one thing here and another thing there. It's having a life that starts with being a follower of Jesus and where that's the foundation for everything else. And from that foundation, it is best enhanced and nurtured in community. And so we do need fellowship. It's best informed by knowing God's eternal word. So we do need the Bible. It involves being invested in God's work, so we do need to serve him. And it involves communion with God, and so we need prayer. All of these things go together. And as I said a moment ago, today we talk about the subject of evangelism. And evangelism refers to the spreading of the gospel. And it's connected to everything else that we've been talking about. Evangelism is connected to service because it is serving God, his church, and his mission to share and spread the gospel. Evangelism is connected to fellowship because it involves inviting people in and relationships. Evangelism is connected to the word because 
It is the gospel which is being shared. And evangelism is connected to prayer because it involves praying for opportunities, praying for the lost, praying for the conversations we have, and praying for our own holiness. And evangelism involves discipleship because the call on all disciples of Jesus is to make disciples. So what we'll be doing today and next Sunday is looking at this section from the end of the Gospel of Matthew, commonly known as the Great Commission. And our focus today is really on the beginning of that commission, where Jesus says to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Again, what we're talking about is an entire life that revolves around knowing Jesus and growing with Jesus. Evangelism, sharing the gospel, is the job of all Christians. Sure, some people are especially gifted with evangelism. And certainly for most of us, the first person who comes to mind is probably Billy Graham. And yes, he was a great evangelist who was very gifted and who the Lord used in mighty ways. But spreading the gospel is not just for the person who's especially gifted. Some of us are also more naturally compassionate than others. But that doesn't mean that showing compassion is optional. Some of us might be naturally more loving than others. But that doesn't mean that to love one another is an option. And it is also true for sharing the gospel. Some are better than others, but it's not about a few especially gifted evangelists. Rather, it's about a billion Christians throughout the world who are taking the Great Commission to heart and faithfully serving the Lord by sharing the gospel. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. As I said already, all of these areas of the Christian life work together. Prayer, word, service, fellowship. And I think part of why evangelism can seem so daunting is if we're struggling in these other areas. For instance, if we have evangelism without prayer, then we're trying to do it in our own power. When the reality is that we need the Lord's help and providence working all throughout the process of sharing the gospel. If our time in the Bible or our knowledge of the Bible is lacking then we can be intimidated to even try to share the gospel because we feel like we don't know enough. If we're not serving the Lord or don't have a high view for using our gifts and abilities to serve the Lord, then there's no sense of urgency in sharing his gospel. If we have a low view of serving the church and serving God's mission to the world, it can be tempting to not feel a sense of urgency, to not take the Great Commission seriously. All of these work together in the purpose of evangelism. And as I've said, it's everyone's job. That can be challenging when we're struggling spiritually. Now, when all of these areas in our life are going strong, that's not to say that evangelism will become easy. But when we're coming to the Lord and praying for people in our lives and we're pleading with him for opportunities to have a gospel-focused conversation, when we're looking for opportunities to serve people and love people, and when we're filling our hearts and minds with the word of God, we will be better equipped and have the right mindset for sharing the gospel. That these all work together. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. That's the call to evangelism. 
Yes, it's true of worldwide missions, but it's also true here today. So evangelism is sharing the gospel. And it's sharing the gospel both in word and deed. Perhaps some of you have heard the saying before. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Words are necessary. You can't believe in a savior who you don't know is a savior. And you can't believe in a message that you haven't heard. That's something that the Apostle Paul gets at in the book of Romans chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, where he says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? How do you believe in someone of whom you've never heard? It's a rhetorical question because you can't. Later in this section, Paul will say that faith comes from hearing. So yes, how we live matters. But evangelism involves also sharing the gospel. That we are dead in sin. That we are in rebellion against God. But the good news is that there is life in Christ and Christ alone. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. The quote from a moment ago, preach the gospel at all times when necessary, use words. Now, it is getting at the idea that how we live impacts how we share the gospel. And I believe that's true. Because evangelism also involves knowing people. It involves building relationships. It involves loving people. It involves serving people. It involves being there for people. It involves patience. And at times, setbacks. It involves living your life as a faithful witness to Christ and the transforming power of the gospel. It all works together. At the beginning of the book of Acts, before he ascended to heaven, Jesus promised the disciples the indwelling of his spirit so that they could be his witnesses in the world. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Jesus says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. We are to shine the light of the gospel as we share the gospel. Passage I quoted from a few weeks ago from the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus says in Matthew 5 verses 14 to 16, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. So it's both living as a disciple of Jesus and also sharing the gospel, word and deed. Our society has trained us that we shouldn't openly discuss religion or talk about faith. And too many Christians have bought into that idea and keep quiet about the gospel. That's not a biblical value. People will share their political opinions. People will share their opinions on moral and social issues. But the good news of Jesus Christ, that we can be forgiven of our sins and have eternal life, oh no, we can't talk about that. 
We need to have the attitude that Paul had in Romans 1.16 where he said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. But we so often treat the gospel like it's a dirty little secret. Just because someone says you shouldn't talk about religion doesn't mean that you have to agree to that. Because part of our religion is talking about religion. If someone were dying of a disease for which you knew the cure, you'd never dream of not sharing that information. Well, the whole world is already dead in sin apart from Jesus. But we so often keep it to ourselves because we don't want to rock the boat. We don't want to have a difficult conversation. We're not called to passively await for people to come to us. But rather Jesus says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. And this is accomplished through the spread of the gospel. It's interesting as I think about evangelism. Because we love to talk about the things that we love. We love to recommend a favorite restaurant. If someone's traveling to a place where we've been, we love to tell them things they can do. People go to Aldi, evangelists. We tell people about the type of phone we use. We encourage people to try out a doctor who we like. We lovingly tell people about our favorite places to shop in Chicago and Champaign. So we do have an aptitude for talking about things that we love. Do you love the gospel? And do you love people who don't believe in the gospel? Penn Gillette is a famous magician and part of the magic duo Penn and Teller. He tells a story of somebody giving him a copy of the New Testament after one of his shows. Gillette is an outspoken atheist, but he appreciated the gesture. Gillette said in a video, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. In other words, who don't share the gospel. I don't respect that at all. If you believe there is a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's really worth, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because you don't want to be socially awkward. You have a person who doesn't believe in God at all, who has a better understanding of the need to evangelize than many Christians. And Gillette bluntly adds, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate someone to believe everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? Jesus gave a command to go and make disciples. That's the way that the sovereign Lord ordained for his gospel to spread. Through using his own people, redeemed from their sins, frail and finite, to share his message. And it's every Christian's job. I'll be honest. Evangelism is not my great strength. So if it's not yours, I get it. But too often we use that as a reason to do nothing. Evangelism matters because the gospel matters. And people in our community who don't know Christ matter. Yes, it might be a challenge for many of us. But again, that doesn't mean that we get a free pass. I understand why some churches are not good with evangelism. 
because they have a low view of sin and don't think it's really that big of a deal. Or because they have a low view of the Bible and don't believe it as the inerrant word of God and choose to ignore texts which talk about subjects like judgment and hell. Or because they have a low view of God's justice and find ways to explain it away. Or because they have a low view of the command of Christ to go and make disciples. Or because they have a low view of the gospel. But that is not our church. We believe that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. 1 John chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. He says, this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his son. Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. We have a high view of the gospel and a high view of scripture. And we must therefore have a high view of evangelism. For some of us, I feel like it can be hard to know where to get started. How do you talk about your faith? While for others, it comes more naturally. I've known people who, it's like they can seamlessly turn a conversation into talking about the gospel. I wish I could do that as well as they do. Where do we begin? I think the first step to evangelism is prayer. I talked about this earlier. But it's, it's thinking about the people in our lives, people in our families, perhaps people in our own households, friends, co-workers, people who don't know Jesus and aren't following him. To pray for those people, to pray for God to work, to pray for opportunities to talk about faith, to pray for boldness in talking about faith, to pray for wisdom and what to say, to continue praying for those people after we've talked to them. And not just people we know, praying for divine appointments, praying for opportunities to share the good news of the gospel with people who perhaps we don't even know. So I think prayer is where evangelism begins. And after that, to to take action. But then what? When I was in seminary, I had to take an evangelism class. My professor, a man named Randy Newman, one thing that he talked about was that, that has always stuck with me and continues to shape my perspective on evangelism and that I think is helpful is this. To, to think of the alphabet, A through Z, for non-Christians... They're all at various points in this alphabet. Some might be an A or a B. They're, they're very, very far from the Lord. You might have someone who's an atheist, but uh, they're willing to talk about religion at least. Maybe they respect religion even though they don't believe it. Maybe they're like a, a D or an E. You have someone else who believes there's a God but doesn't believe in Christianity. Again, think of someone who's an A as someone who is totally hostile, far away from God, as far away as a person can be. Now, the other end of the spectrum at Z, that's a person coming to faith in Jesus. And again, we meet people all along this spectrum, Christian and non-Christian, every day. 
Again, you might have someone who's intrigued by Christianity, but hasn't really turned to the Lord in faith. And you have everything in between. You have this whole continuum of faith. Again, the goal is to get a person from A to Z. The goal is seeing people coming to faith. And that's the point of evangelism. But how do you do that when it's someone who's really, really far from God? I think one thing that's important for us to understand is that it's rarely one conversation that's going to totally turn a person around. One, person, one conversation might not get a person all the way to Z, but it might move them a letter or two closer. And that's part of the reason why evangelism matters, because evangelism is a process. And that should be simultaneously comforting and challenging. It should be a comfort because it allows us to have the perspective that results aren't always immediate. In fact, I don't think they're typically immediate. I think it's rare to have one conversation and a person go, yep, that sounds good. I'm a Christian. It happens. I don't think that's what usually happens. But it's also challenging because since we so rarely do have immediate results, it means it's a process that takes time. It takes effort. It takes investing in people's lives. It can take years. Years of sharing the gospel. Years of serving a person. Years of being there for a person. Years of living as a living witness to the gospel. And even then, there's no guarantee that a person will ever respond by faith. And so the motivation is love. Love for God. A love for God that is so great that you desire others to know this same God. And certainly it involves a love for people. People who you love and are willing to share the gospel with. Willing to have someone disagree with you. Willing to have them think that maybe you're a little bit weird because you believe that. We don't control the fruit of our evangelistic efforts. We don't control the success of it. But we do control our faithfulness to it. Are we faithfully serving the Lord and spreading his gospel? I'm not saying that you suddenly need to go out and share the gospel with 50 people. Now, if you want to, hey, do it. But do you have anyone in your life with whom you're actively in the process of sharing the gospel? Do you have a couple people? There's no shortage of people living in our community who need the gospel. It's a process. And here are some other things to consider with that process of A to Z. If you're really living out your faith, people will see that. If you're really walking with Christ and walking in the joy of the Lord, people see that. Something else to consider? If you're talking with somebody about the gospel and investing in them, you never know who else is also talking to that person, working on them to get them from A to Z. So even in the times where it feels like you're not making the progress you'd like, don't lose heart. Because evangelism is not only about what you're doing. Now, don't take that as an excuse to not evangelize, to not share your faith, but think of each interaction that you have with a non-Christian. 
and that they have other interactions with other Christians. They might see a pastor on TV or hear one on the radio or pick up a Bible. I was at a conference this week in Chicago, and one of the, my uh, a professor at Trinity shared a story about when he was a pastor. And a, a friend of his wife cleaning out a cabinet. She was going through a lot of marital issues at the time, and she picked up a Bible that happened to be in this cabinet that she was cleaning out. And it was from the book of Philippians, chapter 4. And she started reading. And on the spot, she became a Christian. And many years later, she still is. So we can't underestimate the value of any of this. And certainly we can never underestimate the power of the word of God and turning people to God. The same goes for preaching. That's why I preach the gospel every week. Because I don't know where everyone is spiritually. And I I never take it for granted that just because somebody walks into a church, that they're a believer in the gospel. Regardless of if a person ever responds or not, we are so called to love them. Our love is never meant to be conditional. A to Z. As we wind down this morning, I would be remiss if I did not touch on one of the biggest fears I think people have of trying to share your faith. It's the fear that you don't know enough or won't know how to respond to a person's questions or objections. Again, evangelism is a process. Questions or objections we might hear from a non-believer are that they don't believe in God or that they don't believe in Jesus or they don't understand why a good God could allow evil or that they don't believe that Jesus is God or that they believe in science and somehow act like that means that they can't be religious or that they don't believe in the miraculous. On and on and on. I'm sure we've all heard these types of comments or objections and that can be intimidating. But one promise I can make to you is that no one is going to ask you a question that's never been asked before. And no one is going to ask you a question that some of the most brilliant people who have ever lived have considered and responded to. We don't have time to address all of these issues this morning, but I'll say this. Don't feel like you have to be a master theologian or philosopher or scientist before you can attempt to share your faith. Because I believe that you know more about these subjects than you think you do. Sure, you might have a discouraging conversation where you feel like you got schooled by someone. Okay, learn from it. But I wouldn't stress out about feeling like you have to have all the answers. Because evangelism is not about having every answer. It's about having the one answer that matters. If you're truly stumped by a question, you can admit that. You can say that, that's a great question. I'd love to look more into that. And then you use this thing called Google and... While we're on the subject, I just wanna make a brief comment about religion here in America. You have people who are atheistic, who who don't believe in God at all. You have some people who are agnostic, who don't believe that it can be known if God exists or not. 
These people who are deistic, who believe that there's a creator but aren't religious. And then you have people who are culturally Christian. Nice people who believe in God, and since they live in America, they say that they're Christians, believe a lot of Christian teachings and values, but they're not really walking with Christ. And they sort of pick and choose areas of the Bible where they disagree. Perhaps that's even some of us here this morning. For all these groups, they have something holding them back. Holding them back from being all in for Christ. Holding them back from submitting to Christ. From believing in the gospel. Now, when we consider these groups and evangelistic efforts, I want to make one comment. Generally, the reason why people have those beliefs... It's not because of a really well-thought-out philosophical argument. So why is it then that people don't believe in God? Or why is it that there are people who believe in God but, and who know who Jesus is but don't believe in him or don't surrender to him? Why? It's because people don't want to believe. People don't want to submit their lives to Christ. Maybe they've been hurt. Maybe they've experienced loss and and been left bitter towards God. Maybe they've been hurt by the church. Or maybe it's because they simply want to be on the throne of their own life. It's a long-winded way of saying my point that you don't need to stress out about having an answer to every single question. Because it's usually not an answer to an intellectual misgiving that's really holding someone back. The success or failure of evangelism does not hinge on your ability to handle any intellectual misgiving somebody has with Christianity. Again, it's usually a process. But it's ultimately about knowing one thing, and that's the gospel. Knowing in the core of your being, the gospel. Knowing how to communicate that. Knowing that it's good news. And going into the world and making disciples. The good news of the gospel. To know it, to love it, to live it, and to share it. Would you pray with me? Our Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day, and I pray for all of us. I pray for our hearts, Lord, to have a heart for your people, a heart for evangelism, and to share your gospel, and to make you known for your glory and for people's salvation. Lord, let us work towards that as laborers for your mission in the world. Lord, and I pray that you would bless those efforts. I pray that there would be fruit in that, and that people would come to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.